This episode is brought to you by EarthBreeze, the one New Year's resolution I've ever been able to stick to. It's completely transformed my laundry experience. Gone are the big, heavy plastic jugs, the measuring out of detergent every time. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze wash sheet. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze eco sheet. It looks just like a dryer sheet, except it's slightly less dry. It's ultra concentrated detergent. I throw it in the wash and that's it. Never think about it again. Laundry comes out great, clean, fresh smelling, no harmful chemicals or bleaches or dyes or anything in there. If you want to change up your laundry game this year, right now my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled, that's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. study out from researchers at Harvard University this week looked at an underexplored component of energy transition, air pollution. For years, when researchers, activists, or politicians talked about moving from coal to natural gas, they focused on greenhouse gas emissions, and specifically carbon dioxide emissions, which are lower for gas than coal. Over the past five years or so, we've gotten plenty of studies around that other greenhouse gas, methane, and how the transition to gas has generated a massive amount of it. But we haven't heard much about air pollution. So researchers at Harvard's School of Public Health turned their attention there. The good news is that overall energy use is less of a contributor to air pollution than it was when everything was coal-fired. The bad news is that it's still a primary contributor and that gas and biomass are the key culprits. In other words, once again, we're finding out that these bridges to clean energy have only really served to impede progress and perpetuate the same old problems. Two of the study's authors, Jonathan Bonacore and Parishar Salimifard, joined me to discuss their findings. That conversation coming up after this quick break. You're listening to Drilled. I'm Amy Westervelt. New Year's resolutions are almost destined to fail. I resolve almost every year to work less and we all know it's not going to (laughs) happen but one thing i have been able to stick to and you can too is switching up the way you do laundry in 2024 and grabbing earth breeze i know you're thinking laundry is not so fun those huge heavy plastic jugs measuring out the right amount getting goo all over the place it's annoying earth breeze eco sheets totally changed the game Unlike powder or liquid, EarthBreeze actually looks like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated laundry detergent. And it's super easy. You just throw it into your laundry and that's it. There's no measuring, there's no lugging anything around. Your laundry comes out clean, it smells great. I love it. It's genuinely made my life easier. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, 
free of bleach and dyes, so it's perfect for every load. You'll never run out of detergent again thanks to Earth Breeze's easy, flexible subscription. You can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties, and you save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Plus, shipping is always free, and EcoSheets are packaged in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. It also gets rid of one more plastic thing in your life. And the company has donated over 100 million loads of laundry and counting to those in need. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%. 40 for zero. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled. That's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E.com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. Hi, it's Amy here, and I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast from APM Studios and Western Sounds called Ripple. Such a good idea, this show. In the aftermath of major disasters, there is always a swarm of media attention. The public is captivated by breaking news, there's coverage and controversy, and then the cameras and the public just move on. But the stories are not finished. Ripple is a new series investigating the stories we were told were over. In season one, the reporting team traveled hundreds of miles across the Gulf Coast to learn the ongoing effects of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which are still impacting many coastal residents more than a decade later. You can listen now to Ripple wherever you get your podcasts. I'm really interested in this paper, and I, I wanted to kind of start with uh, maybe having you both introduce yourselves and then tell me a little bit about what prompted you to look into this in the first place. Right. I, so to start, I guess I'm, I'm Jonathan Bunicor. I'm a research scientist at the Center for Climate, Health, and the Global Environment at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Uh, hi, my name is Parisha Salimifat. I'm a postdoctoral fellow in the Harvard Teaching School of Public Health as well. Okay, great. I guess I guess to start with the how we kind of got started down this line of inquiry was that um, I mean, as you're probably aware, um, there's been all kinds of research about the climate effects of natural gas and the transition away from coal to gas. There's been all this research about how the conversion in the electricity sector from coal to gas has affected greenhouse gas emissions in the United States and some discussion on the life cycle greenhouse gas impacts with like methane leaks and those kinds of things. And this research is all great. There's a lot of good stuff out there. But one of the things that it doesn't do is it does not address questions about um what the changes to health impacts due to this energy choices were. So that's part of the impetus of this paper is just to kind of get started answering that particular question is what is, you know, we, we know a fair amount about the greenhouse gas implications of this transition from coal to gas. And this is starting to fill in that question in regards to public health. Right. Right. You know, I have to say that I was surprised at how much, 
biomass impact there is just because I feel like, I don't know, it just doesn't get talked about as much as something that was um, widely embraced. It almost seemed like from the climate side, it seemed like people talked about it a lot and then kind of decided, oh, actually, this isn't a great solution and then stopped talking about it. But it it seems like from your research that um, quite a few buildings transition to biomass and it's having a big impact. <laughs> so um, I'm curious about what you found on on that front. And then I want to get into the the natural gas stuff after that. Yeah. So the um, the the finding about biomass was kind of a surprise to us too. We kind of figured like, you know, while we're looking at coal and gas, we might as well look at all the other energy sources that have been used in, um, you know, buildings, electricity and industrial boilers. And yeah, that was a big surprise to us too, is that the the impact of wood in residential buildings, wooden biomass in commercial buildings and the wooden biomass use in industrial boilers were all growing. And for the boilers and Industrial boilers and for residential buildings, those were really high impacts and kind of made it to kind of the top shelf of impactful sources that we found. Uh, just adding to Jonathan's point and also uh, to what uh, you mentioned in your question, actually, that because uh, that is true, that because in our climate policy and climate action uh, plans, we have been mainly focused on greenhouse gas emissions. Some of these energy sources have been kind of going under the radar of how we have looked at them and their emissions and uh, biomass can be an example um, because we also regard them usually as renewables uh, but we didn't talk about or did not have a good understanding of how much of health impacts they have and that can be a good example of why um, health and energy should be looked at together and we shouldn't look at climate actions just by focusing on greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a sense in your research of just, you know, kind of what percentage of buildings are actually using biomass now as, as opposed to other, I just like, I, 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 when I was reading your paper, I was like, God, I hadn't realized that it had been that widely adopted, that it would now be like a dominant source of uh, air pollution. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. So the, the data that we used was based on, it was emissions data that's collected by e, the EPA. So we don't have information on like the number of buildings that are using these different fuel sources. But I think one of the things that contributed to that is rather than not just like the sheer number of buildings that are converted, it's more of the fact that these sources uh, looks like they can be fairly high emitting. A few a few sources that could be small will emit a fair amount. Right. Um, and that's more what's driving the impact. Parisha, you, you had something, you had looked into the emissions factors for some of that, right? Yes, that is so adding to what Jonathan said, uh, we don't have the percentage of how many number of buildings are using what fuel type, but we do have uh, amount of energy consumption in residential building sector. Mm-hmm. And just looking at the quantity, the amount of energy that is being used in residential buildings, for example, natural gas has much higher amount of uh, energy use compared to biomass. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we see health impacts of biomass is dominating the residential sector. Mm. And that is because of what Jonathan mentioned is the emission factor. So for one unit of energy um, that biomass is providing, we have higher emissions usually. However, I should note here that there is a variation in emission factors. So we have different types of biomass and wood. some of them have... Uh, lower emission factors, some of them have higher, for example, wood is one of the highest uh, air pollutant uh, emitting uh, fuels in the biomass category. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But looking at the health impacts specifically, uh, one thing that we did find in our results was that looking at the different states in residential sector, combustion of wood and combustion of wood was dominating the health impacts in almost every state except for just two, which was New York State and Illinois. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. I'm curious to hear more about the natural gas impacts too. So there was one line in your paper that I was like, wow, that's interesting. And um, that was, let's see, it says all three RCMs indicate that gas had higher health impacts than coal in eight states in 2008. And that number increased to 20 in 2017. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that? And I think there is this kind of persistent idea that because of what you were talking about before, that we focus on greenhouse gas emissions and climate and not, you know, the more sort of immediate health impacts that I do think that people have kind of glossed over the, the fact that natural gas does actually create immediate pollution too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to have you um, just lay out, you know, what that result kind of means. And I know you do that in your paper, but just to have it sure. on, on audio too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think pretty simply what it means is that like, basically if you swap out one combusting fuel for another combusting fuel, that is not a pathway that's going to get you to a healthy energy system. Um, I mean, when you combust anything, it will produce air pollution. And, you know, if you inhale that, it is going to be harmful um, no matter where it comes from. Do you think, you know, there should be more studies of this this type that look at, you know, kind of beyond greenhouse gas emissions uh, around energy sources? But also, do you think that like this kind of feeds into the need to to just sort of rethink how how we evaluate and embrace you know, quote unquote, climate solutions in the first place that this, this kind of idea of just sort of um, swapping out one energy source for another is maybe a bit simplistic. Yeah, um, I definitely agree on that, that point that it's simplistic. I mean, with in, in greenhouse gas world and just climate world, I mean, energy, energy choices gets a lot of the intention, I feel like, and I think there's, there's not as much attention paid as there should be to the fairly large impact that air pollution has on public health. Um, I mean, we've been seeing kind of study after study about this. Um, I mean, recently there was the study showing that there's like around 8 million deaths worldwide due to air pollution from fossil fuels. So Mm -hmm. it's a big deal for public health. And I think, yeah, so I think, I think it's, it's not evaluated as much as it really should be. Um, and what we're seeing is that these kinds of health decisions are, sorry, the, the kind of health aspects of energy is, it's becoming more and more a really big factor in terms of decision-making about what type of energy and climate policies we have. And I think that's only going to continue in the future as we're continuing to rightfully put more and more focus on, you know, both public health and sort of the equity implications where, Mm. you know, again, with a lot of these fuel combusting sources, they're often around, you know, Black, Indigenous, or communities of color. So making the correct choices around what those folks are getting exposed to is really important for not just public health, but for uh, equity and environmental justice as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the specific health related emissions associated with natural gas, kind of what they are and their impacts? Yeah. So we do see it's a pretty, a pretty steep decline in health impacts due to coal combustion. And a lot of with, with coal, a lot of the impacts there are coming from primary PM 2.5 emissions. So these are things that are emitted sort of, um, this is what everybody gets exposed to in the end. And this is like just primary exposure of just particles that are suspended in the air. The other thing, other main pollutant leading to the coal health impacts is SO2 sulfur dioxide, it forms sulfuric acid and forms sulfate particles, which is a type of PM 2.5, which then people inhale and results in all the health effects that we know about for PM 2.5. So in terms of the air pollution from natural gas, gas, that's a little little bit of a different profile. There is some emissions of that primary PM 2.5, but with gas, there's a bigger proportion of it is coming from NO2 and NOx. NOx, similar to SO2, it can, when it's emitted, it eventually reacts with other pollutants downwind and forms PM2.5, which we then get exposed to and causes the harmful health effects we know about. Uh-huh. Um, the other the other one, strangely, is ammonia. This was another kind of little, oh. almost atmospheric chemistry surprise, where there's a f- fairly high ammonia emissions from natural gas, especially when it's burnt in um, residential buildings which leads to fairly high impacts in areas around those uh, buildings. That's super interesting too. So what what do you plan to look at next? I know I saw um, something in here about, you know, that kind of looking at current projections, it seems like these trends continue in 2018. So I imagine that you're planning to continue looking at this as data is available, but are there other kind of areas that you want to look into? Yeah, I think... um, as, as I was talking about with this kind of the comparison to the greenhouse gas footprint, you have to look across, again, the full life cycle, including both combustion, pipeline, storage, processing, and activity at the well. So that's largely been done for greenhouse gas emissions, hasn't been done for health. And we, we would like to do that, to look at the full life cycle health impacts of gas from wellhead to point of combustion, whether that's a power plant, a building, or, or an industrial boiler. The other thing we'd like to do on top of that is to rerun this um, using a d- different, different set of modeling platforms that let, lets us catch health impacts of exposures to more different pollutants and uh, do it in more geographic detail. So we'll be able to get county level health estimates and get um, estimates of the health of other health impacts related to air pollution exposure, like asthma, respiratory cardiovascular hospitalizations, and other uh, other health impacts related to air pollution exposure. Okay. Tasha, you want to talk about the other stuff going on? We have also some other studies that we are looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, to one of the previous points that we talked about, having a a more holistic assessment of climate policy um, plans that not doesn't look at just climate impacts and greenhouse gas emissions, but also health impacts of different uh, climate policies that are being proposed, specifically in building sector. Uh, so that is one of our other studies um, that uh, we have been working on. Uh, one example of that has been looking at the health and climate impacts of uh, local law 97 in New York City. 
um, that aims to that, that has actually mandated uh, emission reduction from energy use in building sector from buildings that are larger than 25,000 square feet with the goal of reducing their greenhouse gas emissions uh, 40 percent by 2030 and 80 by 2050. Um, but that policy also being another example of uh, focusing on even the goals are explicitly just talking about greenhouse gas emission reduction. Uh, we are looking at how that can impact health impacts. Got it. That's interesting. Thank you guys both so much for, for speaking with me. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this time. Big thanks to Jonathan and Parishar for joining me. I'll stick a link to their study in the show notes for those of you who want to dig in further. Also big thanks to our latest Patreon supporters. They are Nathan Phillips, Alexia Gordon, Steve Mills, Ryan North, Stephen Coleman, Ken Harper, Helena Nelson, Summer Marsh, Margaret Garcia, Jen Leggy, Martin Arnston, Larissa Ikeda, The Yikes Podcast, Anthony Eggert, Mara Freilich, and a super big thanks to Jeff Spakowski, who increased his pledge to reach full media baron status. If you would like to support our work, you can sign up at patreon.com slash drilled. You'll get early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, and bonus content. For example, Patreon supporters will get access to the complete study discussed in this episode. You'll also have access to exclusive Drilled merchandise. Check it out at patreon.com slash drilled. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 